I'll, you know what? I'll record it too, actually. Okay. Um, I'm just, just give me a minute here. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit record as well. So I'm actually gonna record a video. Recording is on. All right. Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome back, and today we have somebody who's heavily involved in the art industry. Her name is Fei Lu, and her company is Wing Canvas. And as a result of the pandemic, she's had to make some pretty uh, extensive changes. But we want to start with uh, a background in terms of, Faye, what you were doing before you had to shut down and pivot. So could you tell us a little about your products, your services, your programs, your events? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Um, so before COVID-19, uh, Wing Canvas uh, was an art hub, a local art hub in Markham. And we, uh, we provided art programs for York Region and the greater Toronto area. Um, and those were in the forms of weekly classes, uh, seasonal camps like March break, summer camp, winter camp. Um, and we also, we also had a storefront gallery space where people could come in and view local art and buy from local artists. Um, and we also did custom framing and some art services. So we were sort of a one-stop shop in the community for visual arts programs and services. So did you do that for adults, or was it strictly uh, uh, high school and uh, elementary school t uh, children? Well, before, because we were um, such a walk-in friendly place, we, we discovered um, when we first went into business, our target was between 8 and I would say 18 years old. Um, those were the people that we targeted. And then we discovered that there was a big market uh, for kids. A lot of people uh, who had younger siblings also wanted to join. So then we, we um, provided uh, more programs for younger kids um, and camps. Our, our camps were very, very popular. They were always full. They were so much fun. Um, so we did have a lot of kids on our roster, but we also had programs like life drawing, uh, where it was more for a more mature community. So, you know, we had, I think our oldest student was a man in his 90s, which is amazing. He might have been 88. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's also really rewarding. But you're also an artist yourself, and you've done uh, several paintings. Can you tell us about your experience as a painter yourself? 
Sure. Uh, so I was classically trained. Um, I went to art school in the U.S. Uh, art Center, um, which is a school of design. I majored in illustration. Um, and so when I got out of school, I, I sort of wanted to do everything. And, you know, to be a commercial illustrator, you sort of have to have one style and market that one style. I loved uh, exploring different mediums, trying new things. I couldn't, I would get bored of doing one thing over and over again. Um, so then I uh, pursued a career in advertising um, where it was more conceptual. Um, so I worked as an art director, but, and then I, I really missed being an artist. So then I quit um, and then decided to start a school where I could learn all over again and share my experience with others. So it, it is hard to create and have a business at the same time, I'm finding. <laughs> um, but I do get to do a lot of art through teaching. So tell me about some of your personal paintings. What have you done? So um, I can actually show you, but I um, for our my latest body of work um, was based on uh, travel memoirs. So I spent um, between my advertising job and sort of my entrepreneurial uh, venture, I took about a year off and I sort of just traveled and made art. Um, I did a lot of plein air, met a lot of new people, and I was just sort of exploring and discovering um, and made all of these memories that I, I wanted to paint. Um, so my latest work is all based on um, culture and uh, sort of self-discovery and uh, while you're discovering new places. Um, and so I paint a lot of, uh, it's mostly landscape-based, very exotic landscapes and sort of these moments in time. But somewhere along the line, you met a guy who does framing. <laughs> and uh, somehow you connected and he became part of your business. So he was reporting to you. <laughs> So actually, um, my husband and business partner, Aaron, he uh, definitely was a, a big part of, of uh, Wing Canvas. Um, when actually when I met him, he was a marine mechanic. Uh, and so nothing to do with framing. He learned framing uh, because he's actually, he's very crafty. He's good at, good at work, uh, woodworking. And so he kind of learned it to build this adventure with me and you know and now he he's so he's so so good at it he's invented all these new ways of framing that's unconventional but you know that only Aaron could do but you're in charge right <laughs> yes you can only have one person in charge otherwise uh <laughs> there 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 starts to be um problems I guess you know one bride at a wedding right so something else that I I'm interested in terms of what you're doing. You also have the ability to create uh, creative pieces with characters, like cartoon characters. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, sure. So I think you are talking about my illustration. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to try and show you, Peter, um, through my my web browser. But well, on our um, podcast, we're just audio, unfortunately. 
Ah, uh, okay. Um, so the I think the type of work you're talking about is my illustration work. Yes. So my illustration work is um, it is. <laughs> Uh, dark and funny at the same time. Um, I like to make a lot of characters. Um, and I also like to put myself in some of these paintings. Uh, for example, I painted a, a series of self-portraits where I was sort of an observer of my own life, but my family are these giant insects. Um, and I'm sort of just like oblivious um <laughs> and on autopilot uh and then i have other series um just based on stories because my dream as a child was to be a children's book illustrator so i did a lot of uh, illustrations based on stories okay and you did a beautiful one for me of an illustration and you presented that to me and then i still keep that uh, in high priority <laughs> in my office <laughs> So Thank that, you. That's uh, that's really neat. Okay, let's move a little bit forward now. And around the middle of March, you made the decision to shut down the physical location of your art hub. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Sure. So that that was actually a very a very difficult uh, decision. Um, things were starting to get a little bit tense. Um, I would say mid February, uh, and people were starting to be more cautious. You know, canceling classes um, or coming in with masks, and it, overall, it just sort of added to the discomfort of the entire situation. Um, we were we were all a little bit unsure what to do, um, and we had a full March break, uh, full enrollment, and I remember the city shutting down all of their programs. Uh, I think it was like at six p at six p.m. they announced that they were shutting down all of their programs, and by midnight that was it. Everything was closed, and that didn't really give a lot of time for parents who wouldn't know what to do with their kids. It was sort of like a snowball effect. And so as a, you know, as a private art school where, you know, unlike public programs, um, people put their kids with us uh, for March break, um, putting them in specialty programs. But then it, when, when everything closed, parents didn't really have a have a place to put their kids. So they started calling us and we had to call everybody on our roster and say, we're very sorry. Um, you know, this, it's just, it's just impossible for public safety. If we, if we continue with the camp at first, we tried to, um, make the camp smaller or limit the age of the participants. And then, you know, the amount of cleaning and disinfecting of every single pencil crayon at the studio, it just became an enormous amount of work and a, a lot of stress, you know, um, some of our, our, our staff were anxious and scared, you know, because we are such a public facing place and all of that led to our, our decision to, to close. So we closed the Sunday before March break. Um, and that was, I think that was like a week before the city, um, told businesses to close. So we were, you know, we were over a week, um, I guess ahead of the curve, but it, it, it was still a very difficult decision to make. 
But having made that decision, that led to a humongous amount of work. Tell us about that. Do you mean with the pivot? No, the closing. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So... We have a very large space. Uh, we have four studios uh, and a kitchen space, um, like a, a big party room. So, you know, we, we had a lot of space to pay for if it was empty. And that became a reality um, <clears throat> very, very soon. And the uncertainty added to that, you know, we didn't know how long this was actually going to be. Um, and, you know, it could be a year, you know, what if it's a year? What if it's, you know, a very long time before a vaccine is, is even, you know, um, possible? So uh, the other thing was that we had only uh, renewed our lease for one year. Thankfully, um, we were looking for new spaces like new possibilities anyway so it was time to renegotiate our lease and so we told our landlords you know what we're we're gonna leave a you know a couple months early um and we were proactive about it we we just i don't know to me it felt like the right decision because i would rather uh employ people than pay rent on an empty building so we were trying to keep our staff employed it didn't make sense to have a big empty space. We were already testing out virtual programs and thinking, you know, if this is going to be the new future, the new normal, we, we really need to rethink, you know, how we are making our programs available to people. So did this involve a layoff of staff at all? Yes, unfortunately, because, you know, we had to, when we canceled March break um, and the semester afterwards was paused, um, we had to lay off about, I would say about two thirds of our team. Um, and, you know, obviously that, that was very, very difficult um, to do. And we're doing our very best to try and hire them back when, when we can. Um, but we also had to move out of the building at the end of the month. And that was very hard because during a time like COVID, you can't really, it's difficult to ask for help or to receive help, um, or, or to, you know, we, we did have friends offer, but we didn't want to put in awkward situations. We did most of it ourselves. Um, Aaron did most of the work, you know, you know, and when you throw out your back, like he did, you can't really, there's really, um, not a lot that you can you can do to to speed up the process. So it was just you know working with our with our landlords and figuring it out, renting a truck. We got it done in the end. You know it was stressful, but that's and, all done. And your job was to supervise. And let oh Aaron, no! I, and let Aaron do all the work. Right? Oh no, no! I was in there. I was packing stuff, and you know, going through all the all the stacks of unfinished art and left, you know, artwork left behind, and just like photographing them, and just uh, feeling nostalgic. You know, taking pictures, archiving things. It's a lot of work <laughs> to move four studios uh, worth of art supplies and you know, years worth of of stuff. Yeah. So now you had to think about the future. Do you shut down entirely? Do you just start something new or go back to advertising? 
but instead you decided to pivot and use your skills and learn new skills. Can you tell us about that experience? Yes, sure. Uh, interesting experience um, because suddenly, you know, I, I don't think anybody really had a plan for COVID. Um, maybe there were plans available and people chose to ignore it. But as a, as a business owner, you know, we never in our in our entire you know you know seven years of being in business did we think what if there's a pandemic what what do we do what's our plan right and so when it happened your life and your your work and everything is essentially turned upside down you have no idea what's going to happen you know your employees are also unsure like there's just so much uncertainty um, so the best thing to do was to plan and we made multiple plans. Cause like, what are you going to do in, in a situation like this? You can run in circles or you can just stay still, right? <laughs> like, so we just decided, okay, we're, we're going to move and we're going to plan and we're going to think of, um, you know, different ways we can reach our community and, being online really presented itself as like the future of learning because from our business experience, once in a while um, we would find a great international customer, for example, um, over the summer and sometimes over the winter holiday, we have people who actually travel from different parts of the world uh, to come and take a camp or take a program with us uh, over the holidays um, or, or over summer. So we've had, you know, people from Hong Kong um, who actually later came back as an intern. Uh, we had a customer from Brazil who, you know, looked us up in Brazil. She, when she came to Canada, she stayed in Mississauga, took an, a bus for an hour and 45 minutes to come to our studio and take programs. Like very moving, touching people from all over the world. Uh, we have people inquire and say, you know, do you offer online programs? Would love to take a program with you. And at that time, we were like, wow, what an exciting opportunity. But too bad that we can't dedicate resources to it because we're doing in-person programs and we have to work on filling our space. So now that we're not limited by the space, there's a world of, you know, of possibilities um, that are now presenting itself. So we're trying to see it as an opportunity and see it as, you know, if we do, if we figure out the, um, we're, you know, we're so good at in-person classes, virtual classes, uh, what makes a virtual class good is that personal experience, right? So we're, we're confident that we'll be great online and we'll be more accessible uh, to the world. So that's, that's always a, you know, a positive thought. So are you considering as part of your new online business uh, going international? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we, we have community roots. Uh, we, you know, we love our, our local community. We also work with schools. So schools, it's more of, a, our, uh, more of our business to business model. Uh, we did a lot of events and workshops for communities, you know, community libraries, um, uh, different, um, different charities, organizations, schools. We worked with a lot of schools. And a big part of our new business model is to 
help support teachers who teach visual arts um, in mostly elementary, but also in secondary schools as well. So that's also really exciting. And that's what's going to keep us grounded in our community. See, you are a social innovator. You may not want to admit it, but you are a for-profit social enterprise, which you also probably don't want to admit. But you are giving back to community in different ways that you hadn't anticipated when you started your art hub. So what I want you to do now is talk about what the programs are going to be like, what the services are going to be like, what the events are going to be like with your new online model. Sure. So we have worked on this online model, I would say probably close to two months now, maybe like a month and a half. We've explored different platforms. We were using Zoom um, for our makeup classes, just just for our, our classes that um, – we, we needed to do to complete the semester. And then there was a host of problems with Zoom. And so then we had to explore different platforms. So now we're using a platform called 8x8, which is a, um, it's a great free video conferencing. It's open source. Um, we are, so part of our um, new learning strategy is, our, our new our, our teaching strategy remains the same. So we have a um, what we call like our, our our signature teaching method. So the acronym for it is NERD, which stands for Nurture, Explore, uh, Recreate, and Design. And these are the four steps that or the four pillars of learning and like the way we teach. So we we're going to um, so the heart of the the business and the heart of the people and our, our, our wing canvas family will stay the same. Um, it's just now that we, now we will be able to, for example, we are starting a channel where we'll be able to live stream lessons. So out of the nerd teaching method, we will be doing the recreate part for free. Um, and this is going to be available to anyone who wants to tune in live. And, you know, when you tune in live, there's a little chat box. You can interact with your audience. It's really cool. You can interact with people from all over the world. Um, and then we will do our lessons in small groups through video conferencing. And with small groups, it keeps it it keeps it nice and nice and small, nice, and um, you'll be able to have one-on-one -on -one time with everyone. The idea is uh, to really provide art mentorship and the feedback loop and the support um, from peers and the critique, you know, being able to not just like, you know, do a step-by-step -step lesson and done, but to be able to show your work, talk about it, um, be able to understand how to give and receive critical, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, um, constructive criticism and, you know, to be able to help others, uh, along their creative journey because everyone's creative journey is different. And, you know, what we really need is 
mentorship, peer support, um, a group that will keep encouraging you and keep steering you in the right direction, pushing you, you know, when you're lazy, keeping you accountable. Um, and so that will be sort of the, the nurture, the explore and the design part of our teaching model. Um, and that will be the personalized instruction. So that's sort of our, our new virtual teaching model. Um, and then we're, we also plan on providing support uh, for teachers, for elementary school teachers who are working in visual arts and um, SHISM programs, which uh, stands for, um, uh, oh my gosh, it's escaping me. Um, it's, it's a high school program and um, there's an arts and culture section that uh, helps kids get real experience um, out there, and it sort of supplements their learning in arts and culture. So um, that's also a really exciting uh, program. It's called Specialist High Skills Majors. That's what it's called. Um, and then, so that's it. Th those are the models that we're going to be focusing on. Um, and lots so, of, lots of opportunities in the future. So will any of your programs be in different languages? That is the ultimate goal. Yes. Um, I think that, um, technology is advancing at a, at a, incredible rate that I feel like in a few years the the language or the translated subtitles will be something that it can be you know automatically um, uh, configured you know automatically translated so instead of focusing on that I think we're trying to focus more on our content um, and eventually it will be available to anyone in the world. So are you going to train people in different communities to do what you're doing, such as a social franchise or another group who would uh, do a similar thing by creating an operating manual that they could use, and then you could run a train-the-trainer program? <laughs> uh it's an interesting thought because, um, you know, as a business, you, you, you do think about franchising and, and, and expanding and, you know, um, other, other opportunities to expand your business model and let other people use it. Um, I think for us, because this is so new, we, we want to make sure that we, we do it really, really well before we start, um, telling others how to do it. Um, and, you know, really find what we do well. And I think in the future, I mean, in the past, it has been, okay, a business works, and now we are going to franchise it. It, it works well for restaurants and some art studios. Um, but I think in the future, um, I feel like artists and creators are going to become more and more independent and people in general are all going to become more and more independent in that, you know, I could have a channel teaching cooking and someone else could teach um, through Skillshare or through Domestica. There's lots and lots of learning hubs online. There's YouTube, right? Anyone in the future can really, um, 
uh, as a creative, be able to make money as an individual, as a freelancer, just out there in the world because we have so many media tools. So I don't necessarily think that um, I, I feel like it's already happening, <laughs> you know, and, in, and there are already these things that are happening around the world um, and we can, we can just join them. So instead of reinventing the wheel or trying to recreate it, we can, we can join the movement that's already there. Okay. Two quick questions because we're approaching our 30 minute uh, tough question. Where do you see wing canvas two years from now? Two years from now, two years from now, I see us having a really cool studio, like a virtual studio. Um, right now, we're all sort of working out of home, uh, out of our own homes, so it makes it a little bit difficult to have, you know, consistent videos and and things like that. Um, I see us uh, having more. Uh, definitely more international customers. Um, and I see us finding all of the art nerds out there um, in the world and connecting with them. And, you know, they will really, our fans will be the ones that will inspire us to make new content. They'll, you know, inform us of what to create. Like we really want to build this community for them. Um, and, I see in two years, I see myself being so tech savvy. I'm telling you, I've learned so much for over the past two months about technology, like just being able to troubleshoot things. And um, the number of calls our admin team has had, just like telling people how to sign on and, you know, <laughs> all the troubleshooting we've been doing. Um, I feel like two years from now, everybody will be better at technology just because technology is saving us from this isolation. Um, and so now is the best time, right? So finally, uh, how do people reach your company and what's the best method to connect with you? Oh, okay. So the best way to connect with me personally, if you're interested in um, my art or the work that I do, I do have an Instagram account. Um, it's at Feilu Art, spelled F-E-I-L-U-A-R-T. Um, so that's my Instagram handle. Uh, I'm not always glued to social media. I think that would make me, make me crazy. So I don't if I don't respond right away, it just means that I've chosen to disconnect for a bit. Um, I also have uh, an email. Um, it's fay at wingcanvas.com. Same thing goes uh, to my email. Usually I, I'll try to respond uh, within a week if it's not urgent. Um, you could, if you want to find out more about our programs, you can go to our website. It's wingedcanvas.com, W-I-N-G-E-D, canvas.com. Um, uh, you can also check out arthub.ca. Those, those two uh, URLs, they both go to the same place. And um, you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at winged canvas, W I N G E D C A N V E V A S. Um, so either Facebook or Instagram uh, would be the best way to reach us. 
So today we've had the opportunity to talk to the founder and president, a social innovator and a social enterprise person, Fei Lu, and we thank you for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.